Well and memes, you fucked us. This is this OV's for well and memes who couldn't be here tonight. Yes. I don't like beer. Yeah. Yeah. But we're doing it for well and memes. It's not because there's any sort of um tragedy or or good reason. Or just bad scheduling. Which I had a friend warn me about. He's like, Oh, he's from Welland. He might be late or or there might be some trouble about that. And he was right. It's beer. It's beer. Anyways, living up to stereotypes. Yeah. Welcome to a funny thing happened on the way to the podcast. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. It's nice been a long time. Nice to meet time. you, Eric. <laughs> uh, I normally allow my guests to introduce themselves, so what do you do? <laughs> I host a podcast. That's, wow. So do I. Yes. We we have discussed um, that we need to get the necessary evil out of the way. We're trying not to talk about the pet podcast and being so meta, and we need to come up with a punishment for one of us talking about the podcast so and, and being meta. For being punished to talk about the podcast we need to talk about the podcast yes necessary evil yes so what should we have to do something that is achievable hopefully but also just not necessarily pleasant don't make it money no. money isn't I mean, you can make it money if you think it really depends we might only have one person responding we got to go with it that's true but that's not entertaining yeah. it could be drinking Unless it's related expensive it could be could you imagine a hundred dollars <laughs> That'd be a big price to pay. Anyways, come up with something. Yeah. Be creative. Cheers. So, we have lots of options of things to talk about, because it's been like two months. Yes. Do you want to save your OV story for later? Or do you want to talk about your OV trek? I'll talk about it now. If you're a Wellander, you're bringing OV, Old Vienna Beer, to the region, because... I went to an LCBO in St. Catharines because that's usually where I buy craft beers and, and just because I have such a good selection and it's all like out front where it, the beer stores are getting better. Some of them have a little area to walk through, but but for the most part, the LCBOs are just better, I find, for like finding something unique. And, and they had every kind of beer. They had like probably hundreds of different types of beers. They did not have Old Vienna. And I talked to the sales associate shelf stalker lady and she punched it into the computer and she told me, there isn't a place, there isn't an LCBO in the Niagara region that sells OV except the Welland location. I don't know which one, but presumably both. So, so I went to the beer store. They had it. OV, did it used to be brewed in Welland? Is that why no. there's... Then why is there such a... I don't know. It, it's like a mascot, I guess, for the city. It... It's sort of a nostalgia thing because I, I hear that it was much better made at one point in time, perhaps before before it was Molson. By Molson. Yeah, and maybe it was just something that people in that region. I, I know a lot of people like it. E- even friends growing up, uh, I had a, a friend whose dad would drink it all the time. And he's in, from Barry or whatever. Well, I guess he probably was from Woodbridge, but but yeah, there's lots of people that are older, maybe in their forties or fifties, that uh, remember a time when it was good. <laughs> and and there's lots of people still now that swear by it and say that it's good. For me, it's it's on the same playing field as like Budweiser or Molson Canadian or something like that. It's not great. It's okay. You're right. It's not great. You just don't like beer, though. Well, that's true. Ugh. But I've had beer before that I've liked more than this. Yeah, that's fair. <sighs> I mean, there was a lot of drinking at one point in time on this show. And I think that might have changed my opinion 
of many beers just because it gave me experience. But uh, most of them were shitty craft beers, so <laughs> there's not too much to be learned from that. And I'm not some kind of cultured tasting person. You're not a cultured connoisseur of beer? Of fermented starches and and watered down depression. It's kind of what it is. It's just poison. It's true. That is very true. I, I asked when I, I was having troubles finding OV before the show. I, I'm, I'm like, okay, quick thinking, Jesse. What do Font Hillers drink? Because that's our second option, really. Yeah. I, I think it's probably just some fancy wine or, or like champagne. I sent you gold. Dom Perignon, something like that. Gold. I don't think they drink gold. Liquid gold? Liquid gold. Well, then they'd be gold slugger, but that's trashy. So. It's true. Yeah. I don't know. They. What's a soup? Okay. What's a premium beer? Heineken. That's what Font Hill drinks. Welland has OV. Font Hill has Heineken. Okay, I'll buy it. I, it it needs to reflect more of the the attitude of the city. I guess I don't know. Maybe we'll get an answer. I think Welland memes knows. Yes, he probably knows. We we could have asked him. Oh. And we will. And we will in the future. What have you been up to this past week? You mean since we last spoke on Saturday night or sure. just in general? In general. Doesn't matter. Okay. Um, I made new alcoholic beverages coming to a Mugs and Meeples near you. You've made them and they're coming? Well, I... Makes it sound like I, you're distilling them or something. Well, I, I made the concoctions. I mixed the liquors. You I invented mixed, this drink or you just suggested I took it? inspiration from certain drinks and I think we came up with three winners. Are you allowed to talk about the ones of the one? Um, I mean, I can kind of tell you what's in them. Okay. They, get we, people excited. Go to <laughs> Mugs and Meeples to try the following drinks. We... We took a very, very simple approach. We wanted to add another liqueur, something different. So we went with a melon liqueur, something that tastes fresh. Sounds like it'd be summer slash spring-like. And then we also wanted to take basically drinks that, or alcohol that he doesn't traditionally sell a lot of and find a way to sell it. Probably like gin or something. Gin is the number one thing that he doesn't sell. So we went... I think the solution to that is just buy less gin, but... Yes, but <laughs> whatever. I, I like gin. Gin's okay. I don't mind stuff. gin. So we don't have the names yet because they obviously have to be board game slash meeple related. Yeah. But the first one we came up with, the whole idea was use what we have. So he impl- he added melon. So we used uh, melon. However, the first one didn't have melon because... I still like this drink. So we have one ounce of gin, half a cup of ginger ale, quarter cup of cranberry juice, a little lime slice, and a sugared rim. I make that all the time, minus the sugared rim. So It's tasty. It's a good drink, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next one, layered very nicely. Uh, raspberry liqueur or sourpuss, depending on who you are. Uh, one ounce of melon liqueur and orange juice layered so it has a nice it's got a mix yeah if you can get the flavor separate i can see it being interesting it was tasty 
And then they're not really that exciting now that I'm saying it. One ounce of melon liqueur. What's one the one that we had quite a bit of in Cuba, the Trinidad, the one that's like blue, yellow, and pink? Um, it's, Trini- it's Trinidad something, maybe? That was it's a really cool looking drink. I know I think it was probably blue curacao and it's and and orange juice, which was like the yellowish. But I don't know what the was what was pink. I don't think it was grenadine. It was something else, perhaps. Well, I would certainly hope it was something else because grenadine doesn't have alcohol in it. Nor does Well, it doesn't have to have alcohol to be in a mixed drink. Well, no, but if the only alcohol you're getting is blue carousel, you're not uh in good shape, no. You're not well, no, I think they put rum really in it too. Which doesn't have color. So it's um, not what's contributing to the pink look of it. I, I would have to find it. Mm, okay, well that's okay. We can pass on But they are one. good. Um when Tila and I were in Dominican, they served drinks that uh were red, white, and blue, and interesting. Americans would drink them, and I guess they'd pretend to be patriotic and while some, on vacation in another country, spending your money in a yes foreign market. And sometime or at some point, one of the wedding guests came or was around us, and they're like, "Well, gee, I wonder what that tastes like." Like, well, America tastes like America, so sadness and poverty, and we laughed and. The Americans didn't like it. No, I imagine they wouldn't. Whatever. Um, Making me think of America's ass, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but you should look at the uh, out-of-context Avengers Endgame spoilers if you haven't. And if you, if you haven't, if you have no intention of watching the movie, which you probably don't if you haven't seen it by the time this comes out, they're really funny. Yes, the the movie <laughs> itself, because by the time this comes out, it'll be like forever, ago. six weeks after. So if you haven't seen it, you're probably not going to see it. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I would not have thought they could have pulled it off as well as they did. Why is that? The other one, Infinity War, is great. No, no, no. I'm saying in general, not the movie specifically, but just the overarching. 22 23 movie story arc that actually works like they've had no bad movies they've all been good mm, on a sliding a scale mix. there have been some not as good um but i will say outside of spider-man and guardians of the galaxy 3 or as guardians of the galaxy yeah, 3 which it seems to to be um pretty cool I'm pretty much done. Yeah? You don't think you're going to... I... How can you say that? There's going to be more stuff. Well, I know there's more stuff. But as of right now, I'm not intrigued. They need to intrigue me. You're going to go watch stuff. There's there's no way that they announce like a new movie of some kind. Really. And and there's no interest peaked. Once you've started, you can't stop. Yeah, but all the arc... I mean, right now, a good chunk of the arcs are done. Yeah. Right? So... Spider-Man will continue, although there was a trailer for Spider-Man that was released today, and now they're bringing in the multiverse. Hmm. Uh, Nick Fury goes to Spider-Man and says, so when the snap happened, people arrived back here that shouldn't have been here. And they say that there's a multiverse and yada, yada, yada. So now they have plausible deniability to 
pretty much anything they want to. Yes, which is, which is what comic books do. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the trailer, they're talking about how Spider-Man needs to step up to, you know, the legacy of his adopted father, almost, Tony Stark. <laughs> and... I wonder if that's Disney's way of getting Peter Parker into the Disney fold without having to pay Sony for its Spider-Man rights. Because that's the movie that Disney and Sony, like Spider-Man, Disney and Sony are agreeing. Uh, The division, I believe, is they split the cost of the movie. Sony gets a huge chunk of the profits. Disney gets the toys. Who makes out better? Most Prob- likely Disney. Prob- yeah, probably. Um, but if Disney can find a way for Peter Parker to stop using the Spider-Man moniker and perhaps don an Iron Man outfit, they'd no that'd longer be, have to pay Sony. That'd be interesting. If he was in the Iron Man outfit... Well, he's in a Spider-Man outfit that's designed by Tony Stark. Yeah, okay. So... so- That'd be interesting because you still have the web abilities of yeah. Spider-Man and, and Spidey senses and things yeah. like that. So you, it's really a more biologically driven version of what was a very mechanically driven hero. So he's got better abilities in theory than Iron Man did. Yeah. So hmm. it, it, it'll be interesting. But outside of that, did you see Captain Marvel? No. I saw it with Connor and it was in my opinion, the worst out of them all. And I'm not yeah. jumping on the bandwagon with everybody else. It was just lackluster compared to others. Which so I mostly why I haven't really given it much consideration. So I don't have a desire to see the second one, which will eventually happen. But Guardians of the Galaxy. As, yes, but that's... That's what I'm most excited for. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, yes. Let's, let's go to town. And 4, if there is one, sure. Let's go for it. But... How did Deadpool 2 end? Uh, them walking away. But Ryan Reynolds has kind of said that they got to, they set out to do a really good Deadpool movie. Mm-hmm. They were lucky enough that they succeeded twice. Mm-hmm. And they really have no plans on making another one. And now that Disney owns Fox it'd be tough for like it's it's the x-men approach to including him again would be interesting that's true but they have to water him down do they yes because now that fox own or now that disney owns fox the x-men will be joining the mcu which is a pg-13 at best Uh, series so you can't have deadpool saying fuck or anything like that Okay, well, I'm glad it existed while it did. And there might be a third one, but it's becoming less and less plausible. But we're only a year and a half kind of out from when the movie was released anyways. Less than a year and a half. But who knows? The Disney and Fox merger kind of screwed up a lot of things. There's the next Mutants or the new Mutants movie that was supposed to be coming out, and it's just stuck in limbo. They have reshoots that they can't do because the cast have moved on to other projects, and Disney doesn't know what to do with it. Apparently it wasn't good, and Disney contractually has to release it. 
That sucks. So a lot of people think they're just going to throw it onto their streaming platform when it comes out. Not push it too hard, I guess. No, just, hey, if you want Disney+, Plus, you can also watch The New Mutants, and then they'll do it their way. And While we're on the subject of watching media, um, Game of Thrones is something that's picking up a lot of interest again because it's coming out. In and area. you're... Rewatching from the beginning. I'm not rewatching. I've never seen oh. any of it, which is. And what it, do you think? I've seen the first episode. I like it, and I knew I was going to like it. It's it, it's one of those weird things where the by the time I thought of it, like thought of watching it, it was probably on its second season, and there was already the books, and I thought, well, okay, I'll have to read the books because I'd probably enjoy them, and then I like would think to myself, well, I don't have enough time to do that right now even though I did read many books from then until now. But, yeah, just put it off and put it off, and, and then it becomes this enormous task that I just wouldn't even bother to do. But anyways, Tila's getting me to watch all of them, so I'm going to like it. I it's know gonna I'm going to like it too, but I watched the first season, and then I took a pause for the cause, because at that point in time... Having finished the first season, just life kind of got in the way. And then I thought, I know where they're going in the sense that there will be a definitive ending. It's one of the shows that isn't going to go on forever. They're just going to do prequels. That's that's because um, they, they don't want to give up the Game of Thrones license. So after this show is done, there will be prequels and stuff like that that will air on TV. So I'm just going to wait till it's done. And... The I figure it'll take me long enough to watch through it that it'll be done the, by the well, time yes. I get there. But the speediness of how I get into it is largely dependent on how many people say, you know, the destination is worth the journey. Because it's a time. There's a lot of stuff to watch. Yeah. and We're such a burdened society. Well, I mean, when you're talking about watching content, which is what we're doing, it, there's never been a more content heavy time right because you can there's just so much out there so if game of thrones drops the ball let's say that they and some people this this season is kind of torn the new season has torn some people and whatnot in some very interesting ways um let's say they drop the ball and whatnot is it worth going through because some people say season two is really really slow too and then season three and whatnot. Like, it, it, it all depends. I mean, I'm just taking my time. I know it's going to end. I'm in no rush. Mm -hmm. there's, there's enough good stuff to watch. Um, one very interesting thing that's coming soon, and it'll be interesting to see how they do it. I think we talked about this. They are making a Breaking Bad movie yeah starring aaron paul as jesse pinkman yes and it's a netflix exclusive film which is good for netflix because they need that um and it'll be interesting to see how that translates because breaking bad was known for its character development over the arc of six years six seasons yeah. right some of the best there is on tv yes and now you have a character who kind of had a resolution but he kind of got away and he didn't really know what happened 
and now you're going to find out what happened to him in two hours. I'm sure that that could be doable in the format of a movie, because we already have the character. Yes. It's already developed, and there's not much to worry about. You know who is dead, who is alive still. that is true. Yeah. But it all depends on how they play it, because a movie, we'll say it's a two-hour movie. That's just two episodes of Breaking Bad. Yeah. So they either have to speed along the development, as movies do. But it can work. It and can. I'll, I'll tell you why. The pace of Breaking Bad is not fast at no, all. Oh, it's slow. And and it is slower than it necessarily had to be. And they used it to their advantage in their format of storytelling. I think it's a lot to do with the way that Walter White and other characters reveal themselves. They're very mysterious. There's a lot to be known. Jesse is a much more impulsive character. So perhaps the storytelling could be faster paced. You don't really need to think too much about what's going on inside his head. You can see it. You don't have to to tell the audience through a very complicated plot or, or the actions of the characters. It's, it's, it's perhaps simpler. It's probably easier to d- digest for most people, I'd imagine. That's probably what they're going to do with a movie. Well, we'll see. Unless it's in the thriller category or something like that, but I don't see them doing that. Well, I, I don't know. Like, they kind of they spoil the fact that it's basically Jesse Pinkman's Pinkman's story. It's not spoiling. Well, no, but they they were secretly filming it until because mm-hmm. they. Just really never left. Who are they? It's not an AMC production if it's going on no, Netflix. No, it is. It is? Yeah, it's Vince okay. Gilligan. and what, Well, Vince Gilligan's production house. AMC must have something to do with it because they, they have the rights. They have the rights. Um, huh. But they kind of fooled everybody because everybody thought they were filming Better Call Saul because it's filmed in the same place, New yeah. Mexico, right? They have a cover. And somebody found out that they weren't and... Then Aaron Paul and everything. It doesn't really spoil anything, obviously, but no. it'll be interesting to see what is brought about because one thing that was resolved quite well is outside of the internal conflict, most of the physical conflicts are gone. Yeah. Jesse doesn't really have anybody that would be looking for him. He doesn't really have a need to sell well, meth. his his fingerprints would be all over that meth lab. Yeah, right. Yeah, and there he's had trouble with the law before, so you have to assume that could his, be connected to the murder of Walter White. I right. guess. So there's lots of things that could happen, but hopefully it's not just fan service in the sense that it's it could be. It's uh Jesse's gonna go see Skyler and Walter Junior. and go like it, it'll be interesting. But um, I don't know. I I like it. I I think it'll be good. We should take a rapid swing to a different topic. Yeah. We should just hit on a bunch of things. Technology. It's an interesting one. Is there something new that you've seen that you're interested in or you already have acquired? Not related to the podcast. You got the Atomos. Yeah. We didn't really... I guess we talked about that before a little bit. Well, we did. In a Uh, podcast sense, even. Anyways, we have the ability to record video for an unlimited amount of time. That's great. Yes. It's got to be cooler things than that. I've been interested in in GoPro again. I like the Hero 7, which is the newest one that's out. It's not new. It's been out for a while, but 
I want to do something different camera-wise. I mean, I've been wanting for a very long time to get back into photography, but I don't think that's an option really unless it's my full-time job or I have some other job that has a flexible schedule. It just burns in me every single day that I'm at work. And I think, well, what if I get a more portable camera or something like that and I can just keep it on me and I can just use it? I think there's interesting photos to be taken from a person who's framing a house. It's just... Of course. Yeah, it's got to get creative. I took, I took my GoPro in my pocket and I tried to do some stuff. I haven't even looked at the photos yet, but they're on there. There's a, That's pretty much the only one that I want to take on site just because it's small and it's basically indestructible, so it's safe. Um, I just watch. I don't really purchase. The Atomos was a, was a thing that wasn't necessarily needed, but it was... It was something that can come in handy. Yeah. And as I think I had said before, it's one of those weird things where it was available, it was a good price, and it, it completes the kit because now that record limit is gone. Yep. It makes, makes sense. It makes the footage look. It makes sense for video. Yes. Because it was a gap that needed to be filled. I can't think of a gap that needs to be filled in my camera bag anymore because I don't need any new lenses. I have everything I could ever want, which is weird because I suffered from serious gear acquisition syndrome probably two or three years ago. I dreamed of like every lens under the sun, but now I don't care anymore at all. And as far as the cameras go, pretty much the only thing I'd like to try maybe is the medium format stuff from Fuji. It'd be really cool. It's so expensive that I'll never do it even though it's really good priced for medium format. I can't say I have everything that I have wanted, but it's getting close. Like a lot of the stuff is now just extra. The field monitor, yes. I, it, it's kind of like everybody that I went to school with has one. They're handy. They serve a purpose. I have it. Do I have a, a uh, gimbal? No, but I have a Steadicam. So I have to pick my battles. Yeah. Um, There's no point in having necessarily every tool. And then that's the thing too with the photography stuff is I don't need to fill gaps anymore. Like, yes, I could go out and spend anywhere from $1,100 to $2,000 on a 24 to 70, which would be a very useful lens, very good lens. I got a 50 millimeter F1.8 and you know what? I have a wide, I have a 15 to 30 and I have a 70 to 200 to 8. So you have the range. Who cares? You're good. Who cares? There's nothing that I can't do without just swapping a lens. And I don't need a second body because a lot of people like to keep a telephoto and a wide on two separate cameras and they got them going at the same time. But that's just, it's too much. I don't, it is. I don't need, having a backup would be, would be good. I don't have that at the moment. Although since I'm usually shooting wedding with you guys, there's probably one available. We always have backups. Yeah. There's always backups, just not in my personal bag, which I don't need it to be any heavier. So I'm not going to bother <laughs> with that. But yeah, it, it's weird to be at this. It's like a, what is it, Nirvana, the, the Buddhist state. I, I feel good. I feel I feel at one with having all that I need. The, which is a is a final thing that I did buy. Concept. It's on its way. It's not really a piece of tech, but with this, we can go make a movie. Like we're a hundred percent ready. I mean, the lights. I I know you found a bunch of money. Okay, we can make a self-funded movie. <laughs> okay. Um, the lights, I know, are great, uh, and they can work. They're not necessarily film production lights, but they would definitely help, and you can be creative with them. 
I bought a focus cable. Oh, that's a pretty useful thing to have. So it, you know how I have those follow focus. Yep. All your little rings. Yep. So it just plugs in and lets you focus from further away. So I can have somebody else pulling focus or my hand doesn't have to be close to the lens. And the Atomos comes in handy because then that person can watch the focus. They would be, depending on the budget of the film, they would either be the first AC or second AC. So there's a camera operator. And then there'd be the assistant camera or second assistant camera. Normally it's the first. And they're the ones controlling the focus. However, once you get into the higher budgets, there's always more lines running to the camera because the director has have their own feed to watch and everything. It's very interesting. But I just hope, I know, um, we... We're crunching on time for a horror film set in the fall, but maybe we still can, or we can come up with something different to really showcase our skill. Because I think it's there. That's the... It's this long-term drive to try to go and do the things that we want. And I mean, the thing that seems to get in the way of that most is the things we have to do, the things like going to work from 9 to 5, or in my case personally, 7 to seven or something like that it's this i don't know it's this weird thing that we just do as as, most modern places in europe and and north america where we just slave away people have been trying to think come up with ways to not do that forever since at least the 60s and some people have found ways like there's there's ways to have passive income i see lots of youtube videos online about how i can Make money from doing this one simple trick. Oh yeah, you can create your own Amazon store and yeah, everything. The, all the get rich quick schemes, and then all of the. There's people that are a bit more. I'm not going to say pessimistic, but they're realistic, and that they're like, okay, you can, you can make money doing what you want. There's ways to set yourself up to have your own personal business that at least affords you the basic necessities of life, and you'll probably be happier for it rather than working for somebody else. But it's this yeah, it's this leap of faith that a lot of people can't make to go do that. I don't True. know I don't know why. It it is I guess a good drive to be secure or, or so you think in in regular employment. But it does feel at the end of the day like what am I working towards kind of thing. It's not for your own personal satisfaction usually. No. Most people don't. And I mean, we've talked about not having any regret or anything like that, and that's great because we're young-ish, but as you get older, that can easily change. Like, if I... We're talking about writing and whatnot and future planning. That Christmas movie. I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to do with it. I wrote it to sell it, and now I like it. So that's great. That's wonderful. What am I going to do? You know, find backers? Yeah, maybe. There's always dentists that like to have their names on films. Mm-hmm. But then what? Like, I, I I, don't know. But it's one of those things where I kind of still want to try. Because if I don't, then I'm just going to have this script that could be That'd mediocre be very- to adequate. Very unsatisfying. Yes. It's like um, 
building or having all this work put into the plans for a house that you probably won't ever build. It's like it's dream crushing, right? I a lot of people have expectations for where they'll end up. And I think that's the thing with a lot of these secure jobs is you have this vision of maybe a pension or or some kind of retirement or whatever. It, it's all about the destination. But this, if it's a thing you love, it is the cliche. It is, it's about the journey. It's not that important, really, where it ends up. Like, if you made this thing, right, and and you put on all this effort, and you know what? It's not the success you hoped for. Maybe it's it's less successful. Is it really going to hurt your feelings? No. Because I told, I told Tila, and I get addicted to, to, it in general. Screenwriting is amazing when you're when you're developing, even like stereotypical characters like in the horror film, right? And you're covering all your bases. That's that's great. The magic is when they're cast, and you start seeing the words that you have written come to life. Yeah. You can be making the shittiest movie. I've made the shittiest stuff. Doesn't matter. It does not matter. Once you see it happening, you're like, "Wow!" And the bug bites. Mm-hmm. I think the closest thing to that that I felt is just getting your photos published by somebody who is immensely bigger than you. Yeah, that's that. Like, I've had be the same kind of feeling. I've had Brock University pu- uh, publish my stuff. I've had uh, a couple. Little you know, people here or there on Instagram, putting out my content, and it it it's crazy. We're starting to get local photographers liking our stuff on Instagram, and they're people that I've been watching for a while, thinking, "Oh, they're cool." And then I see they like it. It's a little bit of a it's cool, a little bit of a boost. I mean, I don't want to degrade our own productions, and and my own photos are on there. It it feels a little less personal when it's a business doing it. I like the more personal yes. accounts, and it, I mean. A lot of our photography is pretty good, but a lot of it's just there because, you know, we're selling things. Yep. And it, it's soulless and it's it's drab in that sense. But, you know, if, if it's what people want, want, then I guess it puts food on the table. It's good for us. It's it's the, the personal expressions. Like, I mean, taking photos of somebody's baby, sure, it could be your calling to, to make a baby look the way that nobody's ever taken a, a picture of one before. And that's cool. But that's not really what we do. It's, you know, the same kind of photos all the time. And that's what people want. I don't know. I was... It's, it doesn't feel satisfying to I me personally. talking to Tila about that sometime. I don't know when. Maybe whatever. I did Cinco de Mayo photos for a baby. That sounds cool. It was cool. It was a Cinco de Mayo pinata smash. Or cake oh, smash, right? Wasn't okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I've seen those. Yeah. yeah, they're recently posted. Yeah, and those were unique. Yes, very unique. Did was the mom's concept? I provided the equipment and the shutter, and I got the baby's attention and stuff like that. But as I'm editing the photos, it occurred to me, and it was a weird thing to occur. Huh. I thought, whenever we look at other photographer's photos or even our own i'm not necessarily happy with the way a good chunk of those photos turned out Mm -hmm. because i have taken better i have seen better but it doesn't matter to the mom no 
because that's her baby. And her, is her baby cute? And, and of course, oh, of it course. means everything to the mom. Yes. And that, for some reason, stuck with me when I delivered them last week. Ugh. I think if we get a little more selfish and in a way that it helps everybody, I'd be interested in going to one of these things with you. I it and was an open invite. Nobody showed up. Oh, I, okay. I didn't. I don't. Remember I told it. Tila. But anyways, Tila was gonna come. You guys were a little busy. So here's let's be honest. here's what if we poured everything we had. Tila dresses the set. She's good at that. I would like to have a lot of input on to like lighting and all sorts of things about the photo, fo- like the concept of the photo in general. If we all work together and we make, you know, for example, the baby photograph, like nobody's ever made a baby photograph before. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't I mean you're taking creative license, which is not necessarily what some mothers or fathers want, and that's fair. But I'm sure you can find somebody who's interested. Okay, so are you saying this is interesting? Are you saying in in a for profit situation or it doesn't have to be if it if because if it's if not, the for profit gets in the way of the creativity, then I'm not interested. Then, well, once again, we talked about this before. If I posted tonight. Baby photo, baby needs to be four to eight weeks for free photo shoot. But you got to do what we tell you. They'll do it. Yeah, probably. 100%. Got to have like a, a there, casting for babies so we can pick the right babies. There's even a good chance that a good chunk of people would do it for a little bit of money. Yeah. Right? If you really want to get into it, we, Teela and I have been talking about our summer photo series. We can do it. I mean, you you handle the lighting. Help. You can take the photos. You, yeah. I know what I'm If you know at. what you're doing with the baby. See, so that's what you got over Teela now. Okay. Well, thank you. I was talking. Yes, the babies. I do know the babies. I was talking about the selling side of things, too. I'm also that, good at that. That's good, too. But I'm not interested in it if it gets in the way of the creativity. Like, so we can sell stuff, great. But it's I more like about promoting stuff to maybe sell stuff later. Well, because people don't by, know what they want. By selling, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> like the selling the appointments and stuff like yeah. that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, booking and all that's important. I, I'm thinking more people don't necessarily know what they want in the sense that they don't know what can happen as far as the photograph goes until they see it. So if we can make something that is, is different, which I think we can. I mean, as far as the modeling stuff goes, my probably biggest inspiration is Irving Penn. I like a lot of his stuff, and it's... I don't know. It's it's much older, the Vogue magazine kind of stuff, and it's it, it's been copied a billion times over by this point. But but there's got to be a way to you know be unique enough. And sure, maybe you'll just be in some weird class of hipsters doing something that nobody else is doing, and it's not that interesting to most people. But if you can catch some traction, it'd be pretty cool. Or just mean a lot to a few people. That's also a, a good route to take. I mean, that's group. That's a profitable way to take it. You, I mean, that's why wedding videos or wedding photos are very interesting. If you break it down, um, if we've done our job right and they stay married, sixty. Well, that's <laughs> that's, that's very to do with our job. <laughs> no, but that's that's a very important factor. Uh we've done our job right and they stay married 60 70 years from now they'll look at your photo yeah and if we did our job really right they'll even remember us maybe right 
that's cool. Um, and we created a important memory for somebody, even their kids. I've looked at my parents' wedding photos before, it's stuff true. like that. So you can make it important for a small group of people, a mom yeah, and, and that, dad. that means something, I think, to a lot of people. Although it's still... There's this weird philosophy bender that I'm on. Um, yes, I've noticed. Yeah, I'm watching a lot of like Alan Watts and stuff, and it's really good. A lot of these people talk about the ego of a of the human, and really, I mean, all the things that we're talking about are very ego driven. They're very, you know, putting trying to put yourself in the spotlight, or at least feel satisfied that other people appreciate what you do. The I state of a pure artist isn't isn't that to not have any yeah, worries whatsoever about what people think. True. But I think photography, I think photography traditionally wouldn't be egocentric because if we've done our job right, our well, photographers are the most egocentric artists that I can think of. They're worse than painters. Why do you say They're that? They're worse than performers because they want their name on everything. They're all about business and all about money, and and they okay. want way more than they're worth all the time. Yes. That's every photographer. But the end product, outside of watermarks, right? Stuff like that. Also egocentric. Yes. Very egocentric. But every artist signs their work. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's great, I guess. There's no, There are artists that are go off the anonymity side of things. Well, yes. Cool. I mean, um, it's neat. It, ca- it causes a bit of a buzz sometimes well, yes, when it you, is very you can't much find needed. the person. It's, it's mystery. I like so it. So are you saying we should take a bunch of secretive mysterious photos and post them all around town Oof. kind of fuck that up by saying that on here exactly <laughs> i don't know it sounds like a, if you just start buying billboards and you try not to leave a paper trail so you'd get somebody with a fake name to do it that'd be cool start sticking random pieces of art on billboards with no words that's a that's an interesting way to go viral if, but again, you have to not care about the going viral part. You just have to do it because you love it, right? True. <laughs> the, the harder you try not to care, the more you care. It's a, it's a never-ending battle. I don't know. I found... Well, my argument was that photography really isn't super egotistical. Outside of the watermarks or whatnot, if you've done your job, your personality... Your style is the only thing that comes through the photo, right? Like, you're not supposed to be seen in the photo. It's not really about you. It's about your subject. So, yeah, it's a little ego-driven if you're... Oh, I know exactly what we can talk about after this, too. But it's all in the photo. Unless you're in the photo, it's not about you. You're not the subject. Models are more egotistical than photographers. Mm, Not really. I'd say that a good model is a canvas for a concept. This is objectifying women, just just so you're aware, audience. Yes, a good <laughs> a good model is able to take a concept, even if it is not his or her own, and they can be that concept. They can they can convey something. It's not about them. They're a body. They're whatever they are in front of the camera. Okay. And 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 yes, lots of models are egotistical too. But some aren't. Some of the best aren't. So, so the, the be- it's it's this weird thing where the best of the best in any field, from like a a credibility standpoint, are the people that just don't care. 
but they're good at what they do, but they just don't care. It's hard. It's hard to be like that. People try to be like that, but the harder you try to be like that, the, the less you you're care. like that. Yeah. Mm. Well, this is this is a very like Buddhist philosophy on photography, which is is based on the Alan Watts thing, at least for me. I don't know. I do agree though, and I we've talked about it. We sh- should get on a. I, mean, I don't know if you consider your path to be currently fulfilling, at least a hundred percent. I'm sure there's lots of fulfilling aspects. I've got path to, fulfilling about what. Right now, the path you're on. No, I don't think anybody could, really. You have to not find your path fulfilling to change what you're doing. I need to change. Yeah. We've talked about it. Nobody wants stagnation in their life for the most part, unless it comes with this idea of security, which is a total bullshit thing, really. Even if you you work with a big corporation, your job still could go away next week. You don't know. You have no idea. But let's... Change the tides a little bit. Okay. Let's talk. You're not about one to usually just jump into pedophilia. Oh, really? You said we had to bring it up. Okay. We you did. You said we had to talk about. Oh it. yeah, I guess we did. Okay. What? <laughs> Fair enough. I wasn't talking about pedophilia in general. No, I know what you're talking about. Yes. There's, you said we had to talk about it, and one, we don't have a guess. There is one among our ranks as photographers. Yes. That has done things that are. Well, nobody, reprehensible to say the right least. but we still don't know all the details we and won't been, mention his name by the way no and i've been thinking a lot about that because the counts are it are like the charges are numerous yes. so that's one thing that's not in his he is guilty in the court of public opinion he, oh he's he's very guilty in the court of public opinion in fact let's be Clear. He is being charged with possession of child pornography. Is he not? I'll get the charge. Or, or, or of, of a minor, at least pictures, explicit pictures of a minor. I'll get the. I'll which, get the proper charges. Though? Okay. We gotta be okay. Fair. He and, and Jesse's gonna give them, but I want to not drift off of what I'm talking about. He being His guilty in the court of on. public opinion has been accused of things that he may or may not be guilty of, which include sexual abuse of minors, which is is interesting. I mean, you're conflating two things with each other, and I get it. One goes hand-in-hand with the other, perhaps, although I don't know if it's true, and he hasn't been charged with it, so at least from a legal standpoint, there's no reason to believe that he has physically abused minors. The charges are, there's two counts of possession of child pornography, Mm Mm-hmm. And then make available child pornography and access it. So he's posted it somewhere that other people can access A lot it. of people have said it was his Tumblr, not his Tumblr, his... Uh, Flickr. Flickr. Um, and accessing. So there's no... There's no charge, in my opinion, that says that he has created it, but he has possessed, made access... I thought that, that was a general... Maybe it's an opinion that perhaps he had taken the photographs himself of somebody that he had. Some That's, kind of that is to. the opinion, but then, I don't know if it's true. As we said, and because there's so many, and there's been no news, like we don't even know if he's in jail. We knew there was he, a bail. He hearing. was able to post bail. You know that? 
it was an option for him, I believe. Right. But I don't know if he did or he, not. That's that's just it. The He was able to do it, yes. No, there was a bail hearing because sometimes people like this, they're like, you're a risk, you're a flight risk and whatnot, and they're not allowed to post bail. Um, But in this case, nobody knows. So he could be in jail. I'm assuming Maybe. if he did get out, one of the rules are you have no access to computer. Hence why all of his social media is still active. Which isn't doing him any favors. I think somebody had taken down his flicker, though. Which is, our guess is the police. Okay. Because of what might have been on So there. his flicker account, which is a Yahoo-provided service of just, it's a photograph social network, had explicit images of him and his wife. And that's all that I know about, which is, just for your fun fun's sake, um, he... His wife is 70 plus and he's in her 70s. And he is in his 40s. 44. 40s. So it's an interesting combination. There's nothing, I guess, morally wrong with that. Not at all. And it's, there's technically nothing morally wrong about them posting videos of them doing stuff. Yeah. I know. It's weird that he chose to show his face very frequently when he's the face of a business. Flickr is interesting because, well, and he, he didn't put his actual name also. Should I? But yes, you can he find. He put it. his first name. Okay. Well, it's easy enough to find. Yes. So he didn't do a good job. But I guess his intention was not originally to be known with his regular social media following. Flickr's a Flickr's like the most honest porn site ever. Yeah, you said that, but I haven't taken a deep dive. You should look at porn on Flickr because pornography <laughs> and every porn site is so polished, or in even like amateur videos. They're just awkward, and they're not filmed correctly, or they're just very poor quality. Flickr is very good quality, because these are photographers for the most part, but it is so incredibly honest. It's weird. Like, there's no standard for human beauty, and and it's, it's, it's interesting. Hmm. It's not where I would go looking for sexual arousal, but it is an odd kind of art in okay. itself. So Flickr porn, if you haven't looked at it, you should. <laughs> I will let you know what I think. Um, Keep talking. Sure. Why not? Uh, the charge or the the other issues stem from the fact that in some of the videos he's wearing outfits that might have, he, he might have been wearing around children. So that's interesting. He has been a contributing member of his community and that he has yeah. done Santa photos and at the Easter mall. Easter Bunny photos. At, at the Penn Center and he's done Easter Bunny photos yeah. and stuff. And that's where a lot of the deep concern comes because now people know that a alleged sexual predator by the court of public opinion has taken photographs with, with people's children. And of course, I can understand that people would be somewhat alarmed, but it's not really what he's been legally accused of and we don't have much of a reason to think that he has abused minors in that context no there's weird things when you start to think about it like why he was kind of why he stopped his connection with the pen center that's conspiracy right because maybe the pen center knew something about him that Which we're not saying yeah but but maybe they did maybe i don't care did. this is conspiracy this is yeah. outright conspiracy there's no proof of this but maybe they knew something that led them to cut ties with him but didn't make that information available and is it their responsibility or not it, with the pen but it's no. it's happened before i think there's a an interesting point to make 
that if you're a parent and this thing disturbs you greatly, you might want to consider the prevalence of people like this and how they probably seek out positions of power or at least availability of targets. Because there's probably a lot of people who would get into such a, th a thing as, you know, posing a Santa or, or an Easter Bunny or whatever just because they are exploitive of minors. Not necessarily that they ever take advantage of it or commit any crimes or do anything unreasonable to any child that's in their, you know, vicinity. But, but I guess that's just how they feel and they put themselves in that situation. It's true. It's a lot like how people that have perhaps power issues in their life might become police officers or, or other people of authoritative position and then they become abusive of their power. And that's where we hear about all these, you know, bad police officers and, and things like that. Another thing, there's there's an accountability, and we'll say for any mall with Santa, we'll use Santa as an example. Full disclosure, DH Media works with Santa Claus, obviously. Yes. And I think we strike a good balance with that because if any parent, when they're booking with us, they they have never asked, but it when you go to the Penn Center, you don't know who the santa is mm -hmm. right you you're paying and you're assuming that other people have done their work for you right they yeah, they have vetted him screen yep any prospective employees but at least with us if you're asking we have a very very thorough sure which um, raises the ability to be accountable for those yeah. kind of things so i'm just saying i i i, I think there's a, That's a good way of going. <laughs> there's a weird community online that perhaps glorifies and and uh, tries to maybe wrongly justify people who have pedophilic tendencies. Or no, maybe not that. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, pedophilic, because they're not necessarily child molesters at that point. People that have sexual attraction to children. And that's very disturbing to most people, and I understand that. That makes sense. But... I think there's a weird thing where humans need to come to grips with this is a thing. I don't know what we do about it. We should probably figure out a better way to protect children from unwanted advances yes. and, and things like that. Or even wanted, because of course minors can't consent to things like this. But it's this, you, you see it on every form. Like, oh, the only cure for this is a bullet between the eyes or whatever it is. And I'm sorry to Chemical that person. Castration, yep. stuff like well, that. Well, maybe maybe that has maybe some actual application. I don't really know. I'm not an expert into that at all. But Me either. But to that person, I'm sorry. There are people out there that wish to do things that you find absolutely detestable, and I can agree with you that most of these things are very detestable. But it it it's so it's I mean it's on. Child abuse is pretty much as bad as it gets. It's better than anything you could do to an adult, basically. Yes. No matter how gruesome, you know, even a serial killer is usually on a different level than a child predator of some kind. Yes. But there's so many of them in in this world. I don't know. There's got to be something to do about it, but there's also got to be an acceptance that these things exist, and you can't act shocked every time it happens. There's... <laughs> Well, yes, that's true. There's a few documentaries that I'll try to find the links to and send your way. Maybe I'll even post them in the, the links of this episode. Um, 
there have been some real chances at rehab for some offenders. I think there. I think one of the documentaries said that there's a there's a cutoff. Like if they, if somebody was charged once, like they don't want repeat offenders or issues. But if it was if it was somebody who obviously did something wrong, but they think they can make a change, there's there's the possibility for change. But I think there's just so many things going the, through my mind. The only thing that matters, I think, is that there's actually no acting upon any desires that this person has. I don't care that they have a attraction well, to children and, and all that, which is more bold. It's bold to say because most people would care that somebody harbors such feelings. I don't. As long as they don't act on them in any way that abuses any child anywhere. Well, of course. And I, I don't care. I agree with you completely. There's, yes, as we've said, doing anything to a child is horrible and Probably one of the one worst of the most, things you could do. Yeah, culturally, it's something that we yeah. absolutely despise. But on a sliding scale, there's also other horrible things that people can think about. I mean, murder is one. Like, sure, lots of people right? have murder fantasies like right. every day. And if you don't act on it, it's inconsequential. It's right. So I think you are right about that. But I don't know what you can do. You there, There's, um, I think the Catholic Church is going through some big hiccups at the moment. Yes. The thing that maybe you could do as a person who isn't, involved directly in this is if you see a conspiracy to cover up such things you should be a whistleblower perhaps or at least yeah don't cover any of these things up that's almost more detestable in, in my opinion than actually the abuse itself taking place there was a youtuber you could argue the person you know giving the abuse might have some mental issues they might have some underlying cause yeah. of whatever's going on but the person that's conspiring with them doesn't really have that argument as much on their side. There was a YouTuber that used to make song covers, and he got charged in 2017, I believe, with six counts of conversing and possessing, or six counts of possessing explicit material of minors. And it actually came out that he was asking his fans, because he was a YouTube star, to send him videos of them twerking underage. I can see how that is sexual in nature. It's not necessarily pornographic. No, but he got got graphic in his conversation. He's creepy then. Okay. Yes. I get it. Uh, Wherever he was tried, the minimum sentence for that was five years. Mm -hmm. He got ten. And they pled... For less, because, and I try to make this full circle, he was abused and notably abused sexually as a child by his father. So the issue, again, is maybe that is a legitimate excuse. Maybe people need to come to terms with it, but it's not an excuse in the sense that, well, we'll just let you run free. No. No, because... The only thing that matters is the actual abuse that's perpetrated against minors. If you can stop him from doing that, that's what matters. If the only way to do that is to keep him in jail for 10 years, or prison, I suppose, then 
that's what we should do, I think. Makes some sense. If there's another way, like, for instance, you follow the plea and say, okay, well, that makes sense. And we're very sorry for you, obviously. It's not an excuse for your behavior, but hey, we have some way to stop you from continuing any sort of abuse of minors. Well, that's basically what the judge said. Yeah. The judge said, he said, I'm sorry you went through everything. That is horrible, but that doesn't stop. No, it, it doesn't fix what you've already done. Okay. It so, might treat, change the way that we think and feel about this person, perhaps. So what if we theorize that there was a... It doesn't have to be humane, but medically it can be a humane chemical castration for men. See, the thing is, I don't know if that works. Do you know if that works? Does that stop people's tendencies towards abusing abusing minors? But you see, that kills a sex drive in theory. I know that's just where it would get. If you chemically castrated somebody, that's no different than somebody who is who is lost. Well, I mean. It'd be close to somebody who's lost their their uh, sex organs in some sort of accident. You'd lose a good chunk of the drive to do anything. And then yes. they'd take them, they'd take out their their what was sexual urges physically. Then you have somebody who starts killing kids, maybe. Yeah, that'd be pretty fucked up, wouldn't it? Yeah. See, the but again, if you could find a way, the most minimally invasive way to stop this from happening, like for instance, if you find something that is a good substitute again i don't care if they have these urges or whatever as long as they do not act on them in a way that abuses minors and most of the time the the treatment is to keep them away from young children in any sort of environment where they're not left under supervision which is a pretty good idea well yes i mean but and this is a weird society thing where you could I don't know, stick a shirt on them that says, I am a sex offender and I've abused children. Tattoo on the forehead. people would uh, probably kill the person. Probably. So it's this weird thing where society has a bad reaction to it as well that stops us from stopping this happening. So what about the... Because we're looking, if they act upon it, they're criminals, they're horrible people. It's a very interesting episode. Yeah. I like the the moral philosophy part of it. there has to be some of them that know that they're sexually attracted to children and know it's wrong. Of course. And, and there's and lots then, of... That's what all this online movement's about, well, yes. which is really weird, but... So then... It, it exists. Like, the, there needs... They could, I assume, check into some sort of rehab therapy or whatnot, but I don't know how. Is it like praying the gay away? Is it? Is it just as pointless? I don't know. Maybe... Because and of course people are gonna freak out about equating pedophilia to a sexual. But if you're born gay orientation, and you are right, that that well, I mean, not necessarily, but if you if you are, and you're born potent, well, I don't know. The, uh, I don't know. I don't know if people are born gay. I don't really care. They should be able to you fuck be people of the same gender you if you yeah. want to do it. I don't really care. Makes no difference in my opinion. But. I think because it's one of the worst things imaginable, even if you haven't acted on it, to go to a therapist and even say, you know, Doc, I'm having some really fucked up dreams about five-year-olds. That's a big thing to admit. Are they, I wonder if these activists for the rights of pedophiles or whatever, talking about how, what is it? Um, What's the right word? Other, I don't know. I'm just gonna say othering. 
how hard it is to talk to people about the issue because it's so far out there. Because I'm everybody that has some kind of issue that's difficult to to talk about would be feeling like that. I'm sure where they they don't think they could mention it to some kind of mental health professional. People do it with as simple stuff as alcoholism. I mean, it's hard to talk about your issue sometimes, even if you know that you have an issue. Well, it's it, it's. I mean, it comes with being humble, perhaps, but it also comes with knowing that you won't be ostracized for the things that are basically wrong with you at that point in time. Maybe we need a, and I'm going to say this is semi-lighthearted, but it's true. Maybe we need a kind of legal safe admitting zone. Like we have the safe injection injection site. That's, a non-religious, right? Because a lot of people, when, they, when they've done things, they go confess, right? They, they, yeah. They... They, if they confess to a crime like that, they probably would find some kind of repercussion. Right. But once again, if we're talking about somebody who who is thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the stigma of actually admitting that you have an issue, you can't, you can go to a priest. Awkwardly, the priest might be like, oh, I have that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Catholic church, perhaps. Um, that was bad. Uh, I, it. Okay. It, I don't know. It doesn't really, it, it's in the realm of admitting to murder or some kind of robbery or, or something of a grave nature. You can't admit it without having the guilt and having the legal repercussions perhaps swung at you. And I don't know if it makes sense to create an environment which that doesn't take place. There's lots of things which I think you should create the environment for. Like, for instance... There's this weird thing that we do in Canada. I don't know how many years, how often, like how many years it is, but you can like, there's a day when you can like turn in any kind of like weapon. Like if you have an RPG at your house, you can turn it in with no consequences. But if you do it any of the day of the year, you're going to jail. Like there's serious consequences. And that makes no sense. I think you should be able to turn in any weapon. If you have a tank in your garage and you want to turn it in, you should be able to do that with no legal repercussions. (laughs) Get the the weapon off the street. (laughs) But but we don't have that for for crimes of such a serious nature. And it makes some sense. Just because you have guilt, because that is a thing that any human could have, doesn't it shouldn't make you exempt from feeling the repercussions of the crime because you might have been caught anyways and, and held accountable. You could imminently be held accountable for some things. And just because you want to admit to it doesn't save you. Of course, we have the statute of limitations on some things, which is a little bit like that. And and it's a complicated issue. It's so complicated. I mean, <laughs> you can think of um, Joey Diaz, yep. great comedian. Yep. He is admitted to a life of crime. Yeah, absolutely horrible things he's done. I love him as a person. Yep. He is an incredible person. I want to hear him talk. I want to hear the things he has to say. He, has, yeah, but it's it's conflict. You know, it's conflicting. If somebody did that, you know, the things that he's done to people to you, you'd feel very personal about it. Or or you see it happening to somebody else, you want that person to be in prison. One hundred percent. Yes, but. But he's, he did it, and it's beyond the time that he could be held accountable for it. And you know what? We want to hear it. So many people want to hear it. <laughs> I think now I saw an old CNN clip where they got some kind of pedophile on, and he was talking to the reporter about ways to make your kids less appealing to pedophiles, and it was the most weird thing I've ever seen. So I guess it doesn't apply to that guy, at least from my perspective. It's It's... 
I don't know where the line is is to be drawn. Well, I, when I, criminals, mm-hmm. when hardened, even murderers, say in jail, "Hey, that guy's a pedophile. We have to kill him." Yeah, like that's that. that's how low. Eh, I think they that are. that's like prison level virtue signaling. Like, hey, you know, we're not as bad as this guy. We should, you know. But are they? We just time. said they're not, right? In in yeah. In most humans' perception, that is one of the worst things you could do. Next to that, maybe the abuse of women. Men get absolutely obliterated in jail for that. Yes. And, and yeah, there's, there's crimes that rank really high in, in our social minds, and perhaps they should. But is it also due to some of the things we've constructed in our society where we prioritize certain things? Here's an interesting thought, and I don't know how true it is, but I'm sure some sociologist somewhere is saying it. Um sexual abuse of minors is a given in some points in history in some cultures like i think the roman culture they would indoctr- they would like initiate young boys by taking them somewhere and having sex with them at an age that is very clearly un- underage in our society and like what's this, underage I, I probably 13 or something i don't know okay well years ago used to women used to get married at yeah, 13 well, but that's eh. If you go to, I'm saying like an adult, like somebody who's older, an elder. or A whoever. lot of times the dudes were older. Yeah, oh yeah. So it's the same kind of thing. So, But these people, I don't know, and I can't say because I am not them, but do they feel abused? Do they feel taken advantage of? Is it any impedance in their life whatsoever to living the fullest extent of their life? I don't, I don't know. I, is, is, is I sexual abuse opinion. something we've made up? I have an opinion. And it, it, we traumatize our minors by telling them that it is this horrible thing, which is I'm not defending pedophilia. I'm being philosophical, so don't take me seriously, please. And I'm not defending it either. <laughs> um, I will say, once again, not defending, there might be a certain element to that. I mean, if you... You look at it, it's not exactly equal. I found out years after I was in high school that I was bullied in high school. I never knew. Does it change me? I, it sours my thoughts of certain things in high school, but I never knew. Now, if you have a kid, and that kid is not physically abused, but used in a way that somebody older is sexually gratified... And the kid thinks nothing of it because they don't know what sex is. Is the kid upset? Not necessarily. Is that person a monster that did it? Arguably, we say yes. And I think that's pretty fair. But when the kid grows up and the kid finds out that... Yeah, it'd be a shock, wouldn't it? To Mm -hmm. understand and and to be hit with all the ramifications of what what has happened all at once. Yeah. But... Had he not known, had you... Yeah, you can go on, on in your life and, and all that. I don't know. Obviously, it, it's the trauma to the child at that point that matters and nothing else. Yes. So it's based on the individual to much a degree. I I don't know if I was bullied really in high school. I, I had a very drab high school experience. I, I, when I say bullied, I don't okay. mean... Like, if I, if I but, got... If I got... Uh, go stereotypical if i got swirlied i know i was bullied but i didn't it was just casual verbal okay there's situations in grade school when i think back and i've apologized to this person that maybe i could have been a bully there was a 
a lot of like physical horseplay that was not really fair and it was against one person more than it should have been and i feel like perhaps i was a bully maybe not even in their eyes but i i feel as what i i can recognize as being a bully now i i can come to terms that that's what was happening and it wasn't fair to that person it's good that you apologize yeah i would but what's it worth really i mean it's 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 done. It's apologize, apologizing to a victim of any kind might not right. bring that much you seen, satisfaction. Have you seen Billy Madison, the Adam Sandler movie? Yeah, I have. He apologizes to the Steve Buscemi character, calls him up, says, I'm sorry, I made fun of you, I wasn't a good person. And then at the end, Steve Buscemi character shoots the other guy because he was on his bully list. So you may have stopped yourself from being killed in the future. Who knows? Maybe. This um, person went to police foundations. Which is another. <laughs> so there's there's a weird contingent of people that go to police foundations and and try to become a police officer that I know in the back of my mind have all the reason in the world to abuse Not the power to that be they a might police officer. Yes. There, there are many people that have underlying issues that want power over other people, and it's terrifying just knowing that the few examples of my life fit that stereotype. Like I can think of our mutual friend that. Is going to police foundation, yeah. and that's interesting. No, um, I don't know. When I was in grade school, it's not good. Uh, there was a friend of mine, and he always wore an oversized parka. Hmm. And that year that I met him, I had just learned who the arrogant worms were. It turns out this song that I'm referencing was never the arrogant worms, but there was a song called "The Only Gay Eskimo." It's a funny song because it would probably really suck to be a gay Eskimo. There's not If you're the only one, (laughs) even worse. Um, And I started to call him the gay Eskimo. This was in a Catholic grade school. Mm. The name took. People would call him. A lot of times it just became Eskimo, right? Like we shortened it and whatnot. Years later, I found out he was actually gay. So I apologized. I'm like, I didn't know. He's like, is it any worse though if the person is actually no? Because he's yeah. like, I, I was that was in grade seven. I didn't know either. Okay, so maybe I inspired him. I don't know, <laughs> but he, him and I talked. Like, obviously, it was stupid. I met him. Rant. Actually, he was one of his brother was one of my brother's best friends. It was right around the time when I was trying to clean up a lot of stuff. So we talked for a bit. I said I was sorry, and he was like, well, for the most part, it was funny. <laughs> that's awesome well it was maybe we should come to some kind of resolution after this podcast where we apologize to somebody in the past that we've wronged and, and see what happens and we can talk about it the next time that we sit down alone with each other because this is interesting i'm glad we waited two months to do it it's better than it would have been if we just did it every we week. could always plan on doing a. it's true and is yeah yeah so i don't mention the equipment it's not meta I was just about to say that's yeah. kind of don't worry about it. Okay, we've done <laughs> if, it if it's personal times. character development, it's not meta. That's, um, I'm making that rule. I could apologize to a few people. Yeah. I would like to know what happens. There's, there's definitely people I could apologize to. Not really on the bullying side of it, although I could try him again and just <laughs> see what his opinion is. But more people that I was strange with or short with or whatever. Like I could think of. Uh, a girl that I briefly dated during the summer after high school. Things didn't really work, and I kind of blamed her for it. And I probably shouldn't have, looking back. It didn't make sense. I didn't do. I didn't try for anything either. Do you, are you in contact with her still? Oh. 
I don't think she wants to talk to me. Well, you see, that's just see, it. like I. There are I, some people that I could apologize. I to. I tried to get back in contact later, and she didn't really pay me much attention, which is fine. So, although I do have an interesting connection through a mutual friend, where like I could very easily inject myself into her life now, which is is interesting. I don't know. There's there's lots of people. Scroll. When you kind of. Like, I, I've never thought you were a bad person. You're obviously not a bad person. Nobody's and, a bad person on a relative scale. No. Or right, person. we haven't murdered or... or... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's like the Ten Commandments and just the basic things. Like, if, if those are really easy to follow. Well, some of them, I suppose. Lots of people steal stuff, whether they think it's stealing or not, like pirating something. Or... Yes. Some of them, whatever. Yeah. Um. And sometimes I, as I grow older, I look back on certain things and like, well, I should have handled this differently. I should have not been a jerk or done something slightly different. Um, I had a really weird feeling at the end of Saturday night and it'll maybe tie us. I don't know if it'll tie us back, but Saturday night context, Saturday night context. We had a little get together with. Justin and Connor and you and myself. And it's fun. We went to St. Saint Louis. Saint Louis and had some food and yeah and a beer. We went to St. Louis because we were preemptively hungry. Um, <laughs> no context. Uh, and I realized at the end of it, because we were kind of making jokes, it's weird how things kind of change because not that the same type of night would have happened say five years ago or whatever but I would have been drunk like I was fine I wasn't fine but I was I was pretty good mm-hmm. Connor was just sleepy Justin was perfectly fine I felt and, pretty good hmm? felt pretty good oh yeah and it was fun but I think as time goes on has nothing to do with the bullying, but time goes on, things things change. Although I like the idea of getting completely drunk and occasionally it happens. It's almost like a creative input. Like, for instance, you can never be sure if the conversation we've had here today would have happened without OV, right? That's true. There's um There's a weird ability to open up and talk about things you might not otherwise that comes entirely just from something that inebriates you. It's a, it's an interesting human characteristic that we rely on these things. Alcohol isn't given enough credit, I think, on on that regard. Because honestly, people are just usually really boring, or or they have these weird issues that nobody wants to hear about that they talk about when they get drunk. But there's lots of artists that express the things they want to express and the things oh, they I... feel when they. Maybe you only have one beer. That's all you need. It opens I you up a little bit. I'm not addicted to alcohol at any, in any means, but when I'm writing creatively and it's not the middle of the day, I have a drink. It's inspiration. Yeah. It's like George Carlin did where he keeps a, a joint on hand. You know, 100%. Once, once every month or two, and then if he needs that little spark, he can spark up. No, it's, it's very true, and there's... A lot of artists that heavily rely on 
All stuff. sorts of drugs, really. All sorts of drugs. Some and they have different uses. I, I hear mm-hmm. a lot of people use psychedelic mushrooms to think inwardly about themselves and, and you know criticize things about themselves. Whereas other things might have a change on have a change on the external world. Like for instance, I would imagine MDMA is very good if you had issues relating to somebody in your life and you wanted to write about relating people's relationships, you could probably take MDMA and have this unrealistically fantastical opinion about how humans could relate to each other. I'm sure it could happen. I've never taken MDMA or pretty much any other hard drug, but it sounds really cool. And I'm glad other people do it for me. Uh, We have joked about this before, but talking about relating to people, I wonder if there is any, any, um, any point or value in deep diving into what this is because you've joked you you make any two people talk in depth even with other people for at least an hour every week they're going to know each other more so than they ever did before yes even if you've done a decade joke with melissa sometimes and I'll say things, and it truly is. I feel like, I, as I've said before, I feel like I've known you for 10 years. And it's a weird feeling because it's been three. <laughs> <laughs> there are, I think, some of the best memories I have of just like purely getting to know somebody with, without the intention of doing it have to do with just friends that I would sit in a car in a driveway at one of our houses back when I was in high school or, or shortly after that when I would come home to visit my parents and we would just talk from, I don't know, you know, 9 p.m. till 3 in the morning. And if that's what it took, we'd just talk. Mm-hmm. And most of those conversations are entirely unmemorable, but they give you such a deep insight into somebody else's mind that it's, it's incredible. And it fast tracks things. If you can do that once with somebody... You're practically their best friend, really. That's true. You don't do that with people that you're not going to be close to. You can do it 40 times in a row week after week. You could. Um, I have a similar high school experience. I found myself in a position where I was on my front porch with a friend that I was best friends with through grade school. We fell out of touch in high school. And then we just sat there and talked for like seven hours. Makes up for a heck of a lot of time and i learned so much about her mm-hmm. and it was a one of those weird situations that i'll never forget because there could have been a a turning point in our in our i guess relationship is fine to say cuz that's a general term. There could have been a turning point in our relationship that night, but it was never taken. But after seven hours, probably could have been. No contact. This is this is a man's problem where it's just got to be about our dicks. I no, mean, not even that. Well, yeah, yes, but... Yeah. No, it is. Think about it. It is. There's a weird drive that definitely happens more with females where it's just always like the closer you get the more likely you are to tread upon that issue. And I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean? mean? The closer you get to a guy? No, the closer you get to any 
female friend from the perspective of a oh, from a, at least heterosexual male or whatever. Like, yeah, it, that's it, true. It, I don't know. I can't do without it, and I'm I feel guilty, but in the same sense, I've grown out of that guilt, and I don't really care as much. You anymore. still feel the feeling, though. The feeling of what? Well, you don't feel the guilt of it, but do you still have the it's weird sexual attraction that comes only by getting to know somebody very deeply? Yeah, okay. absolutely. It's good to know I'm not the only one. It can happen really with most any female in my life. And I'm sure there's people that you sort of mentally put limits around and you would never really feel those feelings because you sort of stopped yourself from going that far. But it's, I don't know, maybe it's just a male problem of some kind, if it is a problem at all, which I don't really view it like that anymore. I mean, it can be a problem if you act on it without consent. And of, Yes, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> I think it is a problem um, the way perhaps I acted upon it in high school where I would push things quicker. Like I would say things that involve like, hey, would you date me or whatever, kind of out of the blue to certain people or whatever. And it, you know, it could go one of two ways. And because it's a rush thing that has only my side of getting intimately to know them that leads to this conclusion for me where it's intimacy, physical intimacy but it hasn't led there for them, even though they probably feel just as close to me as I do to them. It, it doesn't drive very well with each other. I, I've, I definitely have a very strong memory, at least one person that I got to know very well in high school in one of my classes or whatever. And we, you know, talked all the time and I felt like I had a great understanding of this person. And then I, yeah, I was like, yeah, we should like date or something, basically. And total absolute rejection, probably the hardest rejection I ever got. It wasn't like a... A lot of emotion on their part but it was it was just cold stare like what it like they it, had no idea was it a lot of emotion on your part so did you feel bad about it or was it just cold it, it's that um that rush of i don't know if it's adrenaline or what it is but it, I know exactly it, it's got to be adrenaline talking about. everything rings in your ears yeah and you your face goes flush but maybe you're not even necessarily going like you know red in the face but you just fuck it. You're on a different planet. It's a crazy, it's a cool feeling. I think I haven't had it like that since like grade 10. I've had a few but, situations like that, but it's this entire turn of results that for some reason you were too thick to see. You was, know what happens when I get like that? They're the ear ringing. I, I get it's a weird shiver in the back. You, of my you can spine. also get it when you hear bad news, perhaps like grave. Yeah. Bad news. Bad news. But my field of vision, and sometimes yes, tunnel it, vision, absolutely. It it expands, and I've noticed in bad situations, I'm like, I feel disproportionately small, mm -hmm. and my arms. They are use like that as so, a cinematic yeah, tool, yeah. But it's so real. Yeah. I I had a really weird car situation a few weeks ago, and talk with you guys about it because it was fixed. I did with Melissa's brother. Uh, the caliper change on the car mm -hmm. and everything seemed fine and for what it was worth it wasn't a major issue nothing ever came out of it when I went to Toronto to see her niece Melissa's niece his daughter mm -hmm. we were driving back from Toronto and all of a sudden there's a car beside us uh, honking their horn and waving at us and I'm like okay something's obviously wrong and he's pointing to the the driver's side of the car so i'm like okay so I pull over and i look like no flat tires there's no nothing i 
do a look. There's nothing dragging. I can't figure it out. In the back of my mind, I'm like, chances are it has something to do with the back tires. So it's, unless it's, but I, I couldn't figure it out. And I told Melissa to stand outside as I drove past her. I'm like, does anything look weird? She said, no. Hmm. So we get back on the highway. And I remember I called one of my aunts to say that we were on our way back to Welland. Mm-hmm. And as I'm calling my aunt, hands are on the steering wheel, speakerphone, I'm thinking, hmm, it's still not sitting right. Like there's nothing physically wrong that I could tell. So I take the rearview mirror dial and I turn it to the left-hand side and I bring the mirror all the way down and my tire on the highway is going like that. Oh, you should have been able to feel that. No. It's crazy. Couldn't feel it. So, and I remember, and so that's wasn't one of the first times where I acknowledged it. I'm on the phone with my aunt, trying not to freak Melissa out until I'm off the phone, and my arms just got huge, and I, I felt like I was yeah. so far away from the wheel. I'm like, this is weird. So anyways, I get off the phone with my aunt. I'm like, Melissa, call your brother, because he was coming to Welland as well. She's like, why? I'm like, just do it, and we're fine. And we were fine. I was sure. What had happened was the bolts... I know what happened. Yes. We fixed it. It's fine. The tire is fine and everything. Must have not cross-tensioned all the bolts There's a properly. There's a, there was a black... I don't know if it was plastic, but it wasn't metal. Uh, in the rim of the tire that was cracked and broke and it kind of misaligned so when we when we were looking because we stopped at a, at a gas station just to check and it was interesting to see because of how it was done the the uh, tire was screwed tighter on one side of the tire than the other. So it had wiggle room. But it was such a small difference. It is critically... But it made all the difference. It is critically important to properly cross-tension your wheels back onto your car. As people make, You see when time people are switching between winter and summer tires <laughs> all the time, there are people that will just... And that will just not only destroy your car, or at least part of it, you can dislodge a tire and you can die. Yep. It's... So Very we get, serious. We get back to Welland because by the time we really noticed it, we were already on the QEW. So he followed us back to Welland. We fixed it, and then I went to my mechanic, and the mechanic said, "Well, you probably fucked your bearing a little bit. It might not show it now, but you've well, worn it out more than it should have." Well, yes, but <laughs> anyways, that was one of the experiences where flush yeah okay i haven't had one in a long time so i i, I have them it. occasionally more than i probably should this is an interesting story that is a feeling that is again associated with ego at least because you have to care deeply about your own self-image or your own place within a rank of others to have that feeling because when you're doing that in your car it's a sense of responsibility it's a sense that well, you melissa's right beside me yes and if I was by myself, I'd probably not feel as bad. That's a sense of responsibility. Yep. Yes. Maybe this is more of a male issue than it is a female issue because there is, I, I got to speak honestly about men in general. There is definitely a felt weight upon us to 
do things the right way. Yes. And sometimes we know that we can't and we feel in the back of our minds responsible. Like, for instance, I've been doing a lot of renovating on a house that's now rented to other people. And there's certain things about it that I feel I'm not so sure about what I've done. And I, I feel very responsible. Like in the back of my mind, it's like, okay, I did what I could. And I, I you know, I owe it to the person that I'm with to do it because she's also involved in the renovation process. And I'm not going to make her pull all the weight, of course. But in the back of my mind, it's like, this is entirely my fault if something were, you know, bad to happen. Which is okay because at least I don't do like electrical stuff where somebody could like die or something. But it's just like, hey, I nailed on the, I don't know, the trim above a door. If that falls and hurts somebody or like hurts somebody's pet or something, all of that weight is on my shoulders. And there's this, this vulnerability that comes with maybe being a man more than, more than a woman, at least in the sense of doing these things and not talking about them, not being open about them to everybody because that's your responsibility to bear that yeah, weight. Yeah, I can see that. And then... And maybe it's cultural. I don't know what it is. But I mean, there's been feel, situations feel expressing it recently and not so recently where I'm doing stuff. And I think on Saturday night, I don't know if Connor, if it was Connor that asked or it was you that asked, have you ever been in a situation where you're doing something wrong and it's going to end up being bad, but you just continue to do it? Yeah. Was it you that asked yeah, that? I did. Okay. I was... The context, and I'll tell it on the podcast, because I also wanted to tell this on the podcast where it was just us two. Um, this is a fun story. Now, we should probably wrap up sometime after this. <laughs> but anyway, I know, this was supposed to be short. I know, it was okay. It's good. Um, I made the ter- terrible, dreadful mistake that I think some people have made in, in a similar fashion, where I dropped something into a toilet. And you know what? It's worse. It's worse than whatever the heck you've done. Because I work on a construction type site and there is not regular toilets. There's porta potties and they get fucking destroyed. Yes. Okay. So in luck I was very lucky. It wasn't that long after it had been cleaned and replaced with all its fluids. But I lost my keys down the shitter hole. Oh. And and it's this thing where it, it slipped out of my pocket in a way that I did not foresee happening and I will not put them back in that pocket. But it's this split the second decision where you know it, it didn't take me more than a second to respond where I knew immediately what had happened. I knew where they were and I knew I am not leaving without my keys. So I have to do this right now. There's no benefit to waiting. There's no benefit to thinking about it. I can worry about how gross this is after I do the thing that I'm going to do anyways at some point with no other solution for it. So I threw my hand down that hole and I grabbed them and then proceeded to wash my hands and hand sanitizer and towel them off for like a good 10 minutes because there is no sinks with hot running water and soap. There's hand sanitizer and towels. And and I did it to the best of my ability. And I haven't died of some kind of E. coli infection, so (laughs) it must have worked. Yes. Did you... When you got home, even though you'd use hand sanitizer, did you give yourself a proper clean Oh, at home? before that, when I was on break. Absolutely. Didn't, really, didn't even touch my phone. I just went and did that. Good. It's important to do. It's very important, especially after digging and shit. Yeah. But it's this thing that you have to do. You have to get over it. You have to suck it up. You have to do it, and you do it in a split second. You make that kind of decision. Yeah, that was... Nobody else had a really good reply for, for my story, which is unfortunate, but maybe some of you out there have... 
a situation in which you've done something similar, maybe not as dirty. Well, I, I was going to say there's varying degrees of maybe it's, maybe it's you saw a kid fall off of a bridge into water and you jumped in and you saved them because you're a hero. Maybe that's a split second decision. It's not brave in the sense that or or disgusting in the sense that you've you know inconvenienced yourself in such a way. It's there are consequences to what I'm about to do and I don't know what they are. I could be hurt. I okay. I have one. It didn't end badly. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on here. It's good. It's yeah. good. I like fresh stuff. It's rare. I used to work overnight at Burger King in Welland. And the general protocol for the stuff like that was if it was a giant food order, you'd pull the car out front. That's every restaurant and everybody hates it. But right, but overnight, there's very few staff. Yes. And it was made even more annoying because the waitress was a woman. And because we live in this type of society, and in this case, it obviously worked, or was was a good thing, uh, the woman wasn't supposed to go outside by herself. Which, I mean, becomes problematic because it really should have just been me taking out the food, but no, I just escorted her out. Weird. Yes. Very weird. Very, very patriarchal. Should let that woman suffer the consequences of being alone. Well... One night, she was getting, grabbing the food, and we went out, and this guy was drunk driving. And he was waiting by his car, like he had got out of his car, and he was smoking on the hood or something like that. This was quite a while ago. And he started making adva- physical advances at her. Mm-hmm. Having the confidence that only alcohol could. Yes. And it's one of the only, it's one of the only times, if not the only times where I punch somebody in the face. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yes. And that's, the com- that's, there's nothing more satisfying than feeling justified. It was very satisfying. Even more satisfying was the fact that the kerfuffle, the fact that she screamed and him yelling the fact that there's a gas station across the street that just happened to be attended by a police officer filling up his gas. <laughs> a guy was charged. Awesome. Yes. So that was a split-second decision that could have ended badly but didn't because he was surprised that I hit him, but nobody was more surprised than me. Yeah. Human Humans are impulsive. And now I got a good one. And it's not necessarily <laughs> a, a case of action that did happen, but it's an action that could have happened. And I didn't tell us on the podcast before, I don't think. I was at a Pride event, and I've told this to you, I think, with um, yep. with uh, Tila, but also we have a pair of lesbian friends that are great people. They're and, wonderful people. We, we went there with them. This is their jam, I guess. So, and we were walking around on, what is it, Church Street? The, the one that's like the gay district of toronto-ish basically don't know why you're asking me i don't know <laughs> maybe you have cultural awareness that i don't but anyway no, i there, think there's a street. street though okay the, anyways there in toronto been. at the the beating heart of all this where there's tons of stuff going on it was, it was quite a sight it was it was fun i should really go yeah um there yeah there's lots going on somebody decided that he was the big macho man in the situation and, and thought that he should grab the ass of a lesbian, which you could infer perhaps by where she was, who she was with, and just the way that she was conducting herself. Anybody could see that. 
I think. Yeah, no, he, he, sure, I'll say it, sexually assaulted or whatever, did whatever he did, groped her. And it was this very interesting situation in which it was immediately called out, I believe by Tila. We were there with another friend, but I'm not going to name her because she's a cunt or something. Anyways. Sand? Yeah. Ha! <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was immediately called out. And it was in this weird, it was in this she situation where I immediately <laughs> turned to this person after, after hearing and, and vaguely seeing what had happened and got face to face with this person who was perhaps using steroids or at least working out a lot, but they seemed like they just had the anger and all this weird, maybe there's some kind of other drugs in the system. I don't know, but they were very stocky and like built. And I had to do this thing where I, you know, went up to them and I told them exactly, you know, get the fuck away, do whatever. And, and there's this whole thing where I, I can't remember exactly why, but he started getting closer. He tried doing something. I had to put my hands on this man's shoulders continually telling him to basically fuck off in a polite way because I didn't really want to escalate the situation at all. And I put my hands on him. I'm like, oh shit, I can tell by the way this guy's built, this is not good for me. I'm not not much of a fighter. I'm not really, especially at that time, I didn't have the strength that I do now from construction and things like that. But yeah, it was a split second decision where I made a decision and I stuck to it. I did not let it show that I was intimidated. And I went with it. And he walked away. That was until one, the girlfriend of the girl that got her ass groped heard about it and promptly walked up to him, who was now about 10, 15 feet away, and launched her foot right up his asshole. Like, as hard as I could imagine somebody doing that. And it was fantastic to watch. But as I saw it happen, I was like, oh, fuck. And he turns around and he comes and he starts charging towards us. And I stood right in front of everybody. And it was this thing where all the people around us, who must be great people, stepped in because they knew what was going on. And this person was thwarted. And there was a police officer like 20 feet that way. And he got in there and it was all resolved. It is nice when the police are just yeah. nicely but it, there. But it could have escalated. Police ex machina. And it was all of a split second decision where it's like, I got to go with this, whether I want to or I not. And it could end badly, but I got to go with this. Felt good. I don't think, um, and, and this is a maybe another male-centered thing. I walked around after that with Tila on my back for uh, probably half a kilometer based off the, like all of the adrenaline yep. thriving through my system. I felt like I could lift a house. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing what the body can do. I felt good about myself probably one of the peak moments of my life of just feeling satisfied about the decision I had made and the excitement in the moment. I don't get that enough. <laughs> no. it, it, it doesn't happen all that often. It has to be something really special. I like that story. Yeah. Um, no, I really don't. I, I punched the one guy. I've defended. I fired somebody before because of again all these stories your story my story it's all hey we got to be men yeah we got to defend women except when you were digging in shit but. <laughs> and, and here's here's a random note i want to end on it's a, it's a piece of wisdom i think i've heard from some people um many feminists and women say you know women need men like fish need bicycles or something along the line of that where they say women don't need men and that's great and i 
You might be right. That's good. <laughs> I think in a very humbling way, men, mostly heterosexual men, need women. I don't think that men can live without women. I, I mean, a example, what happens when a man dies at an elderly age and he's a wife? She usually can pass him. I, my grandmother passed my grandfather by like 20 years. It went a long, lot longer. True. Look at the men in that situation. Look how short-term the life expectancy suddenly becomes for a man left without the woman in his life. And, and there's many other examples. Well, thankfully, there's no way I'm outliving Melissa. No. <laughs> and we don't generally anyways. But, but that's the thing. I think that men need at least what women provide. And maybe you could argue it's so, this thing of social norms and all the things that we've created. But but at the given state, I think why we feel such sen- a sense of accomplishment with defending or or providing something to women is because it gives our lives meaning in a way that say that keeps us going. Literally, in the most literal sense of the, the idea, it keeps us alive to do this thing that we can un you know, equivocally say is a just cause. Should we end on that note? Sure, because I will only fuck it up. Perfect. Have a good night, everybody. Get philosophical, learn some shit. It's been a good podcast.